when I heard that story and realized that we had had a a small part of it, that is one of the stories that keeps me going. Because most of the time with at-risk children, you don't have success. But occasionally you do have a victory that is so miraculous, that it's so amazing that you have to, you simply have to file that away. And it reminds me of why we're doing what we're doing. Welcome to the Journey to Impact podcast, where we show you how to turn your unique passion into a strategy to change the world. If you have kids, you know that parenthood is a long game. Right now, you give and sacrifice, and you teach, and you pour into them, and you're used to the idea that they don't fully appreciate all that you're doing, and sometimes you can wonder if you're wasting your time by trying so hard. But you don't give up, because you trust that your child will grow into a man or a woman, and that your efforts will have been worth it. Well, the same kind of faith is so important when it comes to impact. You may not see the results right away, and you might not ever fully understand the impact that you have, but it will be worth it. Today, it shows you how you can keep going when you're discouraged on your journey to impact by holding on to the little victories along the way. It's time to get off the bench. Let's do this. Here's your host, Ed Gillentine. Hello, this is Ed Gillentine, and thanks for joining us on this third session in our series on the basics of impact, which is designed to go deeper into the ideas and the principles in the book Journey to Impact. During our last session, we discussed the seemingly infinite scope of impact, and we talked about how for some people that can be a really overwhelming obstacle. But then we also talked about how embracing that seemingly infinite scope of impact can be a strength while you're designing your unique impact vision and strategies. So today, we're going to talk about impact and faith. So let's jump right in. In my experience, impact requires faith. And at a very high level, we've talked about the uniqueness and scope of impact. And it's probably starting to dawn on you that you'll never fully be aware of the impact that you'll have over the course of your journey to impact. And that's why faith is one of foundational principles on this journey. Because if you don't truly believe that all of your energy, all of your effort, all of your time and resources will one day have an impact, you'll very likely give up and quit, or at least you'll scale back your efforts. I, for one, certainly struggled with that, and still do, frankly. So what is faith in the context of impact? At the risk of oversimplifying, Let's use a definition from the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And Merriam-Webster defines faith as the firm belief in something for which there is no proof. Now, for most people, faith has a religious connotation to it, and I think that's fine. As a matter of fact, that's probably, if not the most foundational principle, certainly one of them that drives my passion for impact. But for purposes of our conversation, I want to use the definition above along with a couple of clarifying words. So for purposes of our conversation, I'll define faith as firm belief in something for which there is little to no tangible or physical proof. Right, And the difference there is Merriam-Webster says there's no proof. I'm suggesting that there is usually a little bit of tangible or physical proof. And we'll get into that in a minute. Think about this. If most impact occurs by means of multiple incremental steps over a long period of time, it'll require faith for you to continue on the journey. 
Also, if most impact is rarely seen by the one creating the impact, or at least not for a long time, it's going to require faith for you to believe that positive things are happening for which there is little to no tangible or physical proof that it has occurred or is in the process of occurring, right? And if so much of our impact is a result of failures and mistakes, it's going to require faith for you and I to believe that our failures and mistakes are building toward marked positive change for the good of society, to go back to our working definition for impact. I would also say when everybody around you is saying you're crazy, it's going to take a lot of faith to stay the course of action that you've chosen. Think about what happens when you commission a painting for a starving artist. What is it that you're doing? Of course, the short answer is that you never really fully know, but it is pretty likely that you contribute to a beautiful work of art that was a part of the heart and soul expression of that artist, and it is also pretty likely that you kept their dream alive for just a little bit longer. It's also likely that someone somewhere is going to look at that painting and experience the beauty that, even if it's just for a minute, restores their hope or encourages them to press on. We'll never know all of the what's or why's or how's, but by faith, we'll know that it is, right? Over the years, our vision for Highland Harvesters in Ethiopia has evolved. Initially, we just simply wanted to make money and fund exceptional organizations that were helping at-risk children and helping them well. And then we realized that we could be a conduit for jobs or job skills and training, education. We started thinking about what, what happens when these kids turn 18 or 19 and they have to get a job. Well, job skills and training, that became a big part of our vision. Then we realized that the economic impact of a job for one person was truly catalytic. Most income earners in rural Ethiopia are supporting a household of 10 to 15 people. Right? So if we can employ 100 people, we're directly impacting almost 1,500. If we can employ 1,000 people, I mean, you can do the math there. It's pretty amazing. Then we started to realize, as the largest and probably only commercial apple operation in Ethiopia, we could drive ag technology and best practices across a really wide range of agricultural sectors. Then we realized we could get involved in transportation and cold storage. So you can see that our challenge, as well as likely yours, is to stay focused. But tying it back to our discussion on impact and faith, think about how long it's going to be before we see any visible traction on most of the above items, right? I mean, it takes really four or five years, even with our expertise with apple trees, to get the seedlings to where they're producing. Um, we've been at it for 10 years, and we're only just now starting to see the needle move in some of the above areas. So without faith, right, and what is faith? For our working definition, it's a firm belief in something for which there's little to no tangible or physical proof, right? Without faith, we would have given up a long time ago. As a matter of fact, if I'm being honest with you, there were three times that I specifically remember very seriously considering quitting. But for some reason, God gave me the faith and the strength to keep going. One of my favorite stories related to our time in Ethiopia is about a little boy named Alamayu. And you can Google Alamayu's story, and it's an unbelievable video of him being reunited with his mother who thought that he was dead. Alamayu was what we would consider in the United States sort of a euphemism of a country boy, not street smart a country boy that was herding sheep, and he was out watching his family sheep one day. 
and a car came zooming by. He was curious, so he went over there to check it out, and they grabbed him and stuck him in what amounted to um, an overhead traveling compartment and took him 10 or 12 hours to the capital city of of Addis and uh, put him in a sweatshop. You can imagine Alamayu from the country. He didn't know what was going on, never been in such a huge city, never had seen that many vehicles, scared and He spent a couple of years working in the sweatshop, and eventually he was able to escape, and he was able to find a a gang, not like we consider a gang here, um, other than the sense that that most gangs, whether they're violent or not, there's a part of them that is attractive because of the family aspect of it. After a year or so of that, he, he realized this is not good, and so I guess to give you some perspective, he would have been six or seven, maybe, when he was kidnapped. And probably around 11, he came to a drop-in center that we were involved with. And over a year or so, we were able to build trust with him. Nega was the gentleman that ran this organization called Onesimus. And so Nega befriended this young boy and began to help him. And then he realized that as they tried to piece together his story and reunite him with his parents, he was he was kidnapped when he was so young, he really couldn't tell them where he was from. But they thought that they recognized his dialect. In Ethiopia, there's 80-odd distinct languages. And then probably who knows how many different dialects off of each of those languages. But they thought they recognized his dialect and they did some more digging. And over the course of another year or so, they felt like they had narrowed down the village that he was from. And so they set out on the trip to reunite him with his parents. If you Google that video, it will cause you to weep when he sees his mom who thought he was dead, and now he's alive, and he's come back, and he's healthy. When I heard that story and realized that we had had a a small part of it, that is one of the stories that keeps me going. Because most of the time, with at-risk children, you don't have success. Certainly not that level of success. But occasionally, you do have a victory that is so miraculous, that it's so amazing, that you have to, you simply have to file that away so that when the going gets tough, you can remember it. And when I get tempted to quit, I'll watch that video, and it reminds me of why we're doing what we're doing. A number of years ago, a friend of mine here in Memphis was carjacked at gunpoint by some teenagers. She was a young wife and soon-to-be mother, so as you might imagine, it really rocked her world, and for the next several months, she barely left her house the fear and just the psychological trauma. But after a really long time of wrestling with her fears and emotions, she started to take steps toward healing, right? And she slowly re-entered the world of nonprofit poverty alleviation, which was actually the organization she was working with when this carjacking happened. And she began the long process of overcoming her fears. A part of that was to get more involved with organizations that worked with at-risk kids. And I'm not saying that that's for everybody. But for her, she felt like that a part of the healing process was to jump right in to the very area that caused the trauma. And as she learned more about the challenges of these young men and women, she was invited to serve on the board of a local impact organization that worked with youth that had multiple felony convictions. So think of 15, 16-year-old and younger that have multiple felony convictions 
And this organization, JIF, I think it's Juvenile Intervention Faith Foundation, J-I-F-F, this organization gets involved when their next step is incarceration and they're going to go to prison for a really long time. So this is kind of their their last chance. So she got involved with that, got on the board of directors, started to work with these kids. And ultimately, her heart was drawn to serve the very group of teens or type of teenagers that shattered her world, right? And so... She developed this really deep passion and conviction to help these young men and women that were rehabilitating, rebuilding their lives. And so she built a business that could onboard those that graduated from some of these programs so that she can provide job training and a career path, which in the United States is very difficult when you start to have felonies on your record, right? So what Lauren is doing is providing them job training and career path, but more importantly, she's giving them hope. If you get some time, I would Google Lauren Wilson Young in Memphis, and you can hear her story. She shared that several times at at conferences. But also Sweet Lala's is the business that helps many of these young men and young women on a path to hope. So you'll never, in my view, meet a person who loves these young men and women more than Lauren. And I've heard a lot of people say she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. She would tell you that that event, that carjacking, was a catalyst to impact. And she would tell you, you can't control your place in history. You can't control your life experiences. But you can control what you do with them. So what's that got to do with faith? Well, if you talk to Lauren for any length of time, you'll learn that it has everything to do with faith. When you can't leave your home because of fear, it takes faith to make it to the next day. When you counsel and pray and work with children with felony convictions, typically from multi-generational poverty, it takes faith to keep going when it feels like they aren't listening or don't care. And when the young men that you've poured your life into, that are getting their lives going in the right direction, are randomly gunned down in the streets, it takes faith to keep working. God's been good to me to give me little victories that I can cling to, like Alamayu, and just like Lauren has had those little victories. And I hold on to those fiercely, because the impact journey is a marathon. And for me, when I get discouraged, I pull out a picture. It's a picture of a little girl named Susina. She was the very first girl that I met when I went to Ethiopia. I believe she was around nine Sweet, sweet little girl in multi-generational abject poverty. And we were able to, through the organization that we worked with, begin to help take care of some of her needs. Well, I printed that picture because it reminds me of the person behind the project. I'm not doing this simply to fund at-risk children or to provide jobs or anything else. We're doing it for a little girl with a face and a story and a future and a name. Her name is Susina. She's not a number. She's a name. She's a human. And she has a future. And when the going gets tough, I'll pull out that picture and I'll remember why I'm doing what I'm doing. If you're just getting started, file these lessons on faith away in the back of your mind and come back to them right before you think you want to quit because you're going to need them. If you've been deep in the journey to impact, and you're at the point where you're ready to quit. You're ready to give up. Let these thoughts on faith encourage you. Go back and write down some of the little victories that you've had. Print out some pictures of the faces of the people that you're called to help. Whatever it is that reminds you that you must keep going. 
and get back in the race. Rejoin the battle. Remember this. Impact requires faith. And faith is a firm belief in something for which there is little to no tangible or physical proof. Thanks for listening. Next time, Ed will discuss building your framework for impact. And the first thing he looks at is considering what you're passionate about. See you then.